Jessica Fernando, and this is One Weird Chick. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines the word doll as, quote, a small-scale figure of a human being used especially as a child's plaything, end quote. Dating back as early as 200 BC, dolls were often thought of as a child's first real friend. A true connection with a beloved doll can last a lifetime. But for one prominent Key West family, a seemingly innocent birthday present would soon become a lifelong obsession for their son. Enclosed behind thick plexiglass, Robert the Doll is truly the guest of honor at the Fort East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. Measuring approximately 40.25 inches tall, 102.23 centimeters, the now 116-year-old doll has left quite the legacy in his wake. The walls of the doll's exhibit are plastered with letters from guests who have come from all over the world to see the infamous doll. However, these letters aren't from fanatics or enthusiasts. They are from once non-believers who have wronged Robert and now beg for his forgiveness. The letters speak of misfortunes that guests have experienced after visiting Robert. Some detail job loss, whilst others divorce, broken bones, illness, and car accidents. On one thing they all agree, their life since visiting Robert the Doll will never be the same again. Situated in the Florida Keys, Key West is Florida's southernmost point, lying roughly 90 miles, 144.84 kilometers north of Cuba. Famed for its pastel-hued, conch-style houses, it remains a destination hotspot for weddings and weekend escapes. But what of its past and its history? Author David L. Sloan explains of the town's history that, quote, Oral histories were told over drinks, and fishermen boasted daily about the one that got away. End quote. Given Key West's elusive and somewhat undocumented history, much of how Robert the Doll came into the hands of one Robert Eugene Otto remains even today as somewhat of a mystery. We know one thing for sure Robert the Doll was first manufactured in Germany at the turn of the century. Still in operation today, the Steiff Company of Germany was founded in 1880 by Marguerite Steiff, who, after seeing how children loved to play with the stuffed elephant-shaped pincushions she made, extended her line to include teddy bears. Capitalizing on the teddy bear craze popular at the time in the United States, the Steiff Company made a prominent name for itself for its fine craftsmanship and high attention to detail. Perhaps the reason that Robert is still standing to this very day is due to the high quality and hand craftsmanship that Steiff herself insisted on. 
The trademark of the Steiff Company of Germany was a button in ear, devised by Marguerite's nephew Franz in 1904 to prevent counterfeit copies from being sold as authentic Steiff Company dolls. Made of metal, the button was fixed in a doll's right ear and bore the symbol of an elephant, a nod to the company's humble beginnings. In later years, the elephant symbol was replaced by the word Steiff. Unfortunately, when the Fort East Martello Museum first received Robert the Doll in his later years, Robert's right ear, which would have borne the Steiff trademark, had been replaced. His origins remained a mystery for almost 50 years. David L. Sloan, author of the book Robert the Doll, has dedicated most of his life to unearthing the mystery that surrounds Robert. In his book, he states that he suspected that Robert may have come from the Steiff Company of Germany and contacted Steiff's consultant and archivist for North America, Rebecca Kaufman. After further investigation, Kaufman concluded that Robert had indeed been manufactured by the company. When a doll similar to that of Robert went on auction in the years that followed, Kaufman and Sloan had 100% confirmation of Robert's origins, as the doll was too close to Robert's likeness to deny. In a condition report from 2012, attending doctor, Dr. Corey Convertito, stated that Robert the doll weighs approximately six pounds, 2.75 kilos. The report continues by stating that there are visible wire supports that are, quote, suspected to run throughout the doll, end quote, indicating that Robert can be posed in a variety of different positions. Given his intricacies, it is likely that Robert was manufactured as a -a one-of-a-kind and would have been an incredibly expensive purchase at the time. Given his overall size, it has been widely speculated that Robert may have been part of a window display when he was first purchased. Only someone who came from a family of influence or wealth would have been able to afford him. Of Robert's interior, Dr. Convertito states that Robert the doll is stuffed with, quote, thin, dark, tightly packed, spun or woven straw, known as wood wool or excelsior stuffing, end quote. In his hands, Robert clutches his own stuffed toy, a small lion lovingly named Leo. Unlike the doll that holds him, Leo is adorable, but would not have come with Robert originally. It was more likely that Leo was an addition made by Robert's owner, but we'll get to that in due course. Beneath his shoe button eyes, Robert the doll is dressed in a white and blue sailor suit, complete with sailor cap on his head. Despite his iconic look, Robert the doll would not have been manufactured or sold in his sailor suit. It is thought that originally Robert was part of a clown series and would have come in a colourful romper, a jumpsuit, 
and a pom-pommed party hat. It was later discovered that Robert's eventual owner purchased his fine sailor suit for approximately a dollar US from a company such as Best & Co. Of course, all of this is conjecture and sadly can never be confirmed. Referred to in modern literature as the Artist House, 534 Eaton Street was built in the mid-1800s by Thomas Otto. Originally from Prussia, Germany, Thomas Otto and his father practiced medicine in Key West and owned several drugstores, one of which was opposite the family home on Eaton Street. The artist house was called home by Thomas, his wife Minnie, and their four children, Mispa, Joseph, Thomas Jr., and Robert Eugene. A strange and solitude child, the youngest of the four Otto children, Robert Eugene, would frequent his father's drugstore opposite his home where he, quote, acquired his first brushes and paints starting a hobby that would lead to his later career, end quote. According to author David L. Sloan, quote, family journals say that he was painting before he, Jean, could talk, end quote. Robert Eugene would eventually inherit the colonial Queen Anne-styled home on Eaton Street after his mother's passing in 1945 he would continue to live and work in the beautiful structure. With a doll whose origins come from Germany, how is it that Robert the Doll ended up on the other side of the world at 534 Eaton Street, Key West, Florida, with the Otto family? In 1904, Robert the Doll decided to call the artist house home, but how Robert got to Eaton Street is still widely speculated, even to this day. Books and online search engines speak of a disgruntled housemaid who placed an ancient voodoo curse upon the doll before giving it to the youngest member of the family, Robert Eugene. Popular podcaster Aaron Mankey claims on his podcast Lore that Robert was a gift given to Robert Eugene by his aunt Bridget. Another theory states that Joseph Otto, Robert Eugene's grandfather, acquired Robert the doll whilst travelling back to the United States from Tortuga by boat. However, this is the most unlikely theory given that Joseph passed away in 1885 and Robert was thought to have been gifted in 1904. David L. Sloan, on the other hand, argues that the more likely version of events was that Robert the Doll was purchased by Minnie, Robert Eugene's mother, whilst in Germany in 1904. Upon her return to the United States, she gave Robert the Doll to her then four-year-old son as a birthday gift. Robert the Doll and Robert Eugene were inseparable almost immediately. The little boy decided to give the doll his own first name of Robert, while he then went by the name Jean, an abbreviation of his middle name, Eugene. 
Wherever Jane went, Robert was by his side. Allegedly, Jane's obsession with the doll eventually led him to dress the doll in his own likeness. In addition to his iconic sailor suit discussed earlier, it is also thought that Jane made several additional purchases so that he and Robert the doll's wardrobe would match. Over the years, Jane's parents began to notice strange occurrences around the house and with their son's behaviour. On many occasions, whilst playing in the attic with his doll, Mr and Mrs Otto claimed that they often heard two distinctive voices coming from the playroom. When they went to investigate, they would find only Jane and Robert the doll. Things started to slowly unravel when Mr. and Mrs. Otto would try to scold Jane for misbehaviors, such as broken dishes or things being out of place. Jane would look at them innocently and utter the now famous words, quote, I didn't do it. Robert did it. End quote. As Jane grew, he started blaming Robert for any mishaps, and eventually, the doll took the blame for everything that was negative in Jane's life. In his later years, Jane and Robert parted ways when Jane began his studies at the University of Virginia. He left Robert in the attic, where he would wait for many years, until the day he would finally be reunited with his best friend. Whilst in Virginia, Jane studied architecture before continuing his studies at the Academy of Fine Arts in Chicago. In the following years, Jane continued his studies in New York before relocating internationally to Paris, France, where it is said that he began to, quote, develop his own unique personality, separate to the doll, end quote. While studying in Paris, Jean met Annette Parker, a passionate and charismatic American pianist who would eventually become his wife. After completing her studies at the Garland School of Homemaking in the United States, Anne, as she preferred to be called, moved to Europe to pursue a career in music. On May 3, 1930, the two were married and returned to America. According to the Artist House website, artisthousekeywest.com, Jean and Anne initially relocated from Paris to New York, during which, quote, Anne performed at the celebrated Rainbow Room at the Rockefeller Center as an accomplished pianist, end quote. In 1945, the couple moved back to the Otto family home in Key West, Florida, after Jean's mother, Minnie, fell terminally ill. When Minnie passed away on September 15, 1945, the artist house was divided equally between the four remaining Otto children. In due course, Jean's siblings, Mizpah, Joseph, and Thomas Jr., decided to sign their shares of the property over to Jean and Anne. After 27 years apart, 
Robert the Doll and Jean were reunited at last. And once again, the two best friends were soon up to their old tricks. Anne was startled by her husband's fascination with the doll. According to David L. Sloan, on one instance, quote, Anne was shocked to find her husband creating a special room for Robert in the attic of the house, outfitting it with scaled furniture just right for the doll. End quote. Sloan continues by quoting an article from the Sun Centennial in which it is stated that Jean would, quote, often go up to the attic to spend time with his doll. And it was about this time, in the 1940s, that the stories about Robert began to leak out of the house. End quote. Allegedly, a plumber who was employed by the Ottos to carry out work in the attic heard giggling sounds coming from the doll. When he turned around to investigate, the doll had moved to a different part of the room. In 2013, photos emerged of the still unfinished plumbing work the tradesman left behind after he fled, terrified of his experience with Robert. Additionally, stories of the doll moving unaided came from pedestrians passing by the artist's house who saw Robert moving around in Jean's art studio. Situated on the third floor of the artist's house, the turret room provided the best light for Jean's work as a painter. Whilst he painted, Robert watched from his perch on the southwest windowsill. Pedestrians allegedly reported that when Robert was left alone in the turret room, they would notice that he would be in one window one minute, and then another the next. Today, an effigy of Robert sits on the window of the turret room as a tribute to the one now imprisoned behind glass. Robert enthusiasts can stay in the turret room for approximately 210 US dollars a night in the summer months. The Artist House website describes the room as, quote, stepping back in time, end quote. On June 24, 1974, Jean passed away after a long battle with Parkinson's disease. An article in the Sun Centennial stated that in the months leading up to his death, Jean, quote, spent most of his time in the attic room talking to Robert, end quote. Upon Jean's passing, Anne was deeply hurt when she discovered that her late husband had left everything, including the artist house, to his sister Mizpah. Mizpah allowed Anne to continue to live in the artist house and eventually signed over the property, but insisted on collecting anything of value first. Anne eventually sold the house to her neighbour, William Gazer, and moved back in with her sister in Massachusetts. Sadly, Anne passed away from pancreatic cancer five years after she departed Key West, Florida. 
Despite being an accomplished and passionate pianist, she gave up her career so that she could support her husband's work as an artist. In turn, he left her without a cent to her name. Scorned by the actions of her late husband, Anne had Jane's burial site covered in concrete rather than brick, and is quoted in David L. Sloan's book, Robert the Doll, as saying, quote, it's good enough for him, end quote. After her husband's death, Anne demanded that the doll stay in the attic, locked in a cedar chest. When she sold the artist house, Robert went to the house's new owner. Tucked away in his cedar chest, Robert remained locked away until William Geyser sold the artist house to a woman named Myrtle Routier. Initially, Myrtle was quite taken with Robert. Her husband, Arthur, alleges that Myrtle used to dress the doll up in different outfits and even took him with her when they eventually moved from the property. Was Robert casting the same spell on her as he did with Jean? Whilst living at the artist house, Myrtle rented the property to a young lawyer whilst she and her husband vacationed up north. Upon their return, the lawyer claimed that Robert had locked him in the attic where he fell violently ill with yellow fever. In 1994, Myrtle donated Robert the doll to the East Fort Martello Museum after she started experiencing her own phenomena with the doll. Joe Pice, the then Key West Art and Historical Society Assistant Director, met with Myrtle in person and was startled when she said, quote, This is Robert. He's part of the Otto family. I can't stand him being in my house anymore. Allegedly, Myrtle continued to say that she had locked Robert in the attic when she realized he was moving around by himself and, in turn, Robert had locked her in her own bedroom. Needless to say, she was very shaken by the experience and wanted to be rid of the doll for good. For the next two years, Robert was only available to view by appointment. Made popular by local ghost tours, Robert was eventually put on permanent display. Reports soon flooded in from museum guests who claimed that their cameras would stop working when they tried to take a photograph of Robert. A documentary film crew also reported that their cameras stopped recording when they tried to get footage of the doll. But what exactly is Robert? Is he cursed or haunted? If he is in fact haunted, then what or who is he possessed by? Are the stories of voodoo true? Many continue to speculate to this day, but your guess is as good as mine. Today, Robert the Doll sits patiently waiting in his plexiglass casing for his safety and for ours watching as visitors from all over the world come to see him. Above him lies a warning from museum staff. 
encouraging guests to be sure to ask his permission before snapping a photo to avoid any, quote, post-visit misfortunes, end quote. A doll possessed or a boy obsessed? I'll leave that for you to decide. Thank you for joining me for another episode of One Weird Chick. I'm your host, Jessica Fernando. And until next time, stay spooky. This episode of One Weird Chick was made possible with thanks to Kyle Fricci and Toby Sagona. One Weird Chick's opening theme was created by Brielle Johnson and logo was created by Lauren Adams. To see the sources for this episode, please visit facebook.com slash one weird chick. <laughs>